Hey guys, this is Steven Chauncey. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message is an encouragement to your faith. And if you're in the Gainesville area, we'd love for you to visit us in person. We've got a seat with your name on it. Now, let's get to this week's message from Collective, which is every Wednesday night at 6.45. What we're going to do for a quick mini message that we had planned for you guys tonight is we're going to let our senior class, some of our uh, 12th graders, come up right now, and you guys can start making your way up this way, and they're going to read for us the Christmas story. So give it up for them, and uh, everybody's going to read a couple of verses and then move on. I got it pulled up for you guys right over here if you want to read off of that. Um, I know a lot of you guys probably have it like memorized because uh, you're, you're such good Bible scholars, uh, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, turn our attention to God's Word and have a moment of listening and reflecting as they share one at a time a little bit of God's Word from Luke chapter 2. Uh, starts in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria, and everyone went into their own town to register. So Joseph went also up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I'm so sorry. They did not tell me what. Okay. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger.
Hello? And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which they were just as they had been told. Hey, give it up for our seniors, guys. Give it up for our seniors. We're going to be really quick as we uh, try to wrap up our service tonight. Uh, But I want to ask you a really quick question, and there's only one right answer, but you can give it your best shot. What is the best Christmas movie? The best Christmas movie. Shout it out. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, shh. The correct answer, what we were looking for, was Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Santa Claus is the best movie. It's all right. You're you're free to be wrong. It's all right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you've ever seen that movie, that's a great movie. You need to go check it out. It's one that my family watches all the time around this time of year. Uh, It's a crazy movie because, shh, it's a great movie, but it's crazy because Tim Allen's character, Scott Calvin, kind of starts off trying to make Christmas happen with his family, with his son. And he tries to cook dinner just for him and his son, but it ends up getting burned, and it starts to, to look pretty pitiful as far as Christmases go. And it turns out that he's even kind of messed up the whole present thing, and he's kind of looking like a lousy dad. But how many of you guys know that sometimes Christmas, as much as we try to make it magical, as much as we try to make it beautiful, and it's supposed to be perfect, ends up kind of looking chaotic? Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're like, oh, we burned dinner, or uh, maybe it's even something that's more serious, and you're like, there's a family member that wasn't able to be here, and that's really stressing us out, and mom's really upset, and if mom's upset, then we're all upset, and, and that's a, an unfortunate situation, but it's all too familiar with most of us, because here's the thing. A lot of us, like, we expect that Christmas is going to be perfect, but when we read the Christmas story, like our seniors just read for us, when we look at what... God's word actually says the very first Christmas looked like, it it was actually more pitiful than magical. It was actually more chaotic and more uh, stressful than I think we, we picture Christmas usually going. We're like, hey, we're supposed to be picture-perfect family with matching PJs, and we got a cute picture posted on Christmas Day, and there's no wrapping all over the living room, and we're the, we're the perfect family. No one was fighting or arguing or complaining about having to wake up. What time does your family wake up to open Christmas presents, by the way? Six o'clock? Anybody earlier than six? Uh-uh. Me and Janae, me and Janae, we don't have any kids yet, but when we wake up, it's like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock on Christmas morning. We sleep in. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, shh. I think those of us who've heard the Christmas story enough, when we look at it in scripture and we, we, we read it and we go to Christmas plays and we see, you know, calm baby Jesus in the manger and we sing these songs like, away in a manger. We're like, it's so soft and tranquil and beautiful and, and sweet and magical. But as we read what actually happened during that very first Christmas, we see that was stressful. That was an, an anxious, like I get anxious just reading it. Look at just a few highlights with me before we go. In verses one through five, we see that Joseph and Mary are forced to travel at nine months pregnant. 
And so if you've ever spent time with somebody who's, who's nine months pregnant or they're, they're late in their pregnancy like that, you know that's a very uncomfortable time for the mother. And maybe you have some younger siblings and you kind of remember what it was like when your mom was going through that time. You're like, my mom was kind of grumpy. It's because she was in a lot of pain. She was very, very uncomfortable. And we read this, you know, that it says they had to go to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph was supposed to go to mark everything down and take his attendance and, you know, uh, that was for tax purposes. But what we don't realize is they're from Nazareth. And Nazareth is 90 miles away from Bethlehem. And so when they got that news, they had to be rolling their eyes. But they said, all right, we've got to go to Bethlehem. It's the law. So they journeyed to Bethlehem. And I don't know about you, but when I saw the Christmas plays and things like that, and I saw Christmas movies and, you know, uh, art and little pop-up books, I always saw Mary on a donkey. How many of you guys have seen this? Like Mary is riding on a donkey and Joseph is the good husband, so he's walking beside her. He's letting her ride. There is nothing in scripture that indicates that she was riding on a donkey or that she had a horse or a carriage. They were a pretty poor family, so it's unlikely they were riding on anything. And the reality is that this nine-month-old, nine-month pregnant woman likely walked for 10 days, 10 to 20 miles a day to get where she had gone. And when she arrives there, uncomfortable and in pain like nobody's business, there's not even a room, there's not even a hotel for her to stay in. And so all from the very beginning, what we're taking in about the Christmas story is that it was chaotic and it was pitiful and that it was stressful. And if you think about it too long, you start to get anxious. But then look at what it says in verse 7. It says that when the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Prince of peace, God came to earth. He didn't go to a palace. It doesn't even say that they had a nice room or that he got the, the presidential suite in the inn. It says that there was no room, and so they put him in a stable, and they laid God, a little baby, in a manger. You're like, what's a manger? It's a horse trough. It's a cattle trough. And it says that he, they didn't have a nice outfit for them. It says that they had strips of clothing to go about him. And then you've you got to think, this is the biggest, most exciting news that really for two-thirds of the Bible they've been looking forward to. You're like, coming Messiah, coming Messiah. And there's going to be a Savior, and things are really, really bad right now, but there's a Messiah and a Savior who's going to come and fix it. For thousands of years, God has been telling his people about this. So they've got to be so excited, right? And they're going to want to share that news. They're going to want to tell everybody. Like, even today, when a baby is born, it's exciting news. And you want to post it on Instagram. You want to have a birth announcement and then a gender announcement. And you want to do all of those things and fanfare, and it's exciting. But when it came time to share this amazing news, who does it say were the first people to find out about this? The shepherds shepherds. And as you, as you look at what it says about shepherds, what we know about shepherds looking back is that shepherds were nobodies. They were not important. They were the, the poorest of the poor. They were some of the people who received the least education, like kind of anybody could be a shepherd. If they could stay awake, they could do their job, then they would be a shepherd. But when it comes time to share the greatest news in the world, they don't have trumpets, they don't have fanfare, and they didn't have heralds running into town saying the Messiah has been born God shows up and he tells a shepherd and a group of shepherds. And I have to imagine even the angels were like, God, are you sure about this? Shepherds? Like stinky shepherds there? Nobody, nobody's even gonna really going to listen to them. And I think if we were designing something, we would have probably done it a little bit differently. But what it says about God is really, really impactful. And this is what I want us to walk away with 
this evening. And this is what I want us to leave with when we don't have collective next week or the week after. And, and we won't gather as a youth group until January. Uh, when Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to show it to you real quick. I think he was thinking of the shepherds because the angels even said it back in Luke chapter 2 verse 10. It says that they had shown up not just to give this exciting news to the rich people or to the famous people or the people who, you know, uh, had a lot of influence like the mayor or people in the government. Like that's not who the angels went to. It says that in verse 10 that this was good news that would be shared for all people, and it's going to bring great joy for all people, whether you make a lot of money or you make no money, whether you come from a family that you're like, well, we're somebody, or you're like, we're nobody, whether your dad is the president or, or something that you don't think is all that important. I, I think God views all of these things important, and this is what Paul was thinking of, and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the, in the world's eyes or powerful, or wealthy when God called you. Instead, listen to this, God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing the world, what the world considers important. And so I, I, I love the story of Christmas because as we reflect on it and we get ready to celebrate Christmas and we get to have a great time, what the Bible shows us is that Jesus was a man of the people. And he didn't just say, put me up in the, the, the nicest hotel. He didn't say, you better make sure that the whole town knows that I'm coming and you better have a, a parade for me when I show up. Jesus was here for all people. And he wasn't just here for the people with a PhD, he was here for people like you and me, and whether you're here tonight and you're a Christian, and you're like, yeah, I believe all of this, or whether you're here tonight and you're just kind of hanging out because your friend said that we we're gonna play some games, and, and you're like, this is a little bit more gaming than I, than I thought I was gonna get into, I'm glad that you're here. And I want you to know that the God of the Bible, the God that we serve and honor and worship, he came for you. And you can have a relationship with him and so we want to walk in that journey with you. We want you to know about this God, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up the service for tonight, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to stay in touch through social media over the week, and we're going to have a great time worshiping on Sunday. We have services every single Sunday uh, on the, the 20th and the 27th. We're not taking any breaks there, uh, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to worship as a church, just not as a youth group. So hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and pray, and then Give your apologies to our parents. We're super sorry for staying late and, and keeping things going a little bit later than normal. Uh, but if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, we're gonna pray and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the goodness of the Christmas story. Thank you for sending your son Jesus for us. Lord, thank you that he came not just for the elite or for those that were considered more important by society, but God, thank you for sending your son Jesus for all people. Or thank you for dying on the cross for all people and sacrificing yourself for the sins of all people. Lord, we're so thankful for that. Lord, we need that reminder. And God, I pray that as we go into the season of uh, opening presents and, and giving gifts and, and, and gathering around a Christmas tree, Lord, that we would not forget the good news of Christmas about why you came 
And Lord, I pray that that's where we would find our joy this Christmas season. Lord, we ask all of these things in your son Jesus' precious name. And everybody said...